Each time a man stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strike out against injustice, he sends forth a tiny ripple of hope. Robert F. Kennedy. Hey everybody, welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. So the writer's strike is still going on in Hollywood. Now the Actors Guild has joined the picket lines. Everyone's been watching UPS, but what's going on at Yellow Corporation is a pretty big deal, and that isn't getting a lot of press. We'll talk about that today and mention a few other things, but first, let's take a dive into our contract. By now, you're all probably aware of our regular overtime language, but this past contract, we were able to add a little bit to that, and that's where we're going to start today. We're going to look at 7.17, which talks about overtime between shifts. Um, Basically, what we were able to add this contract is that any inequalities between shifts within the same overtime area and job code that are measured over the 26-week period defined in our contract, um, if if they're in excess of 48 hours, it will lead to a monetary payout using the formula that we've agreed upon. Um, Again, those are going to be done by job code across shift. The agents, the business agents will be the ones helping the stewards kind of figure out what those amounts should be. Um, But the good thing now is that we're able to align the shifts and make sure that we're getting a fair distribution of overtime across all three shifts. Absolutely. And, And just so folks out there understand, Uh, the origins of this. We had a handshake agreement on this for a couple of contracts, right? So for, you know, close to the last decade, we've had sort of a handshake agreement um, that said, hey, when when there are disparities in overtime distribution between shifts, we're going to address those on a case-by-case basis, right? So that handshake agreement uh, was brought to the table and memorialized with contract language now that the company has to abide by. And listen, there are some controversies out there over this issue, for sure. Um, there are some members that I think are not very happy with it. And all I would say is this is about fairness, right? This is about fairness amongst all members of the union on all shifts. And we know that there's going to be some some stuff that we have to work out, some kinks in this. Um, so I would just ask members to be patient. Let us work through this. Let us get through the first overtime period where this is actually um, enforced. And then, um, you know, we'll try to work out all the issues that we have. Yeah, the good thing here is we finally have a a number that we can put to it being 48 hours. That wasn't defined just with the handshake. So it's good that we've got the guidance now that we need to settle these quicker. Absolutely. So um, let's get to it. The news cycles are so fast moving today. um, And we've talked recently about that um, and about how that affects our ability to bring up to date information to the show. You know, we're pre-recorded usually about two weeks out, so that makes it difficult sometimes when we're talking about stuff that's changing rapidly, like the UPS contract and all that. Um, but we're going to do our best to just get the facts about what we're talking about. Um, so even if the story has evolved, you can go back and listen to the podcast and get the story and get the, the facts about the story. As you listen to this, the UPS contract expiration date has passed, but as we're recording it, the date is quickly approaching. It's just about a week away. 
the two sides are back at the bargaining table and hopefully, you know, they're hammering out a deal that's going to avert a strike because, you know, even though we're digging in, we're standing our ground, a strike doesn't, uh, a strike is pretty painful for, for everybody, right? So, you know, we're hoping that we avert that. Um, and once we come back for the next episode, we'll uh, get you the updated information on that. The WGA, the, the Hollywood writers, they're still on strike. Um, looks like the studios are willing to keep them out for some time. The studios aren't even interested in talking to them right now. Did you hear the quote from one of the executives? I, I think it was one of the executives. No. They were caught saying, uh, basically, the goal is t- when people start losing their homes, their apartments, they'll be forced back to the table. That's excellent. And, you know, this is exactly what we're talking about today, that corporate greed, that feeling in that part of our society, right, the rich, the super rich, the powerful, the corporations, um, that attitude that, you know, we're not even people, right? It, we're just numbers. We're just, you know, something, that, an expense that the company has to pay to keep their business going. And they just keep on asking and asking and asking, and they don't care that we lose our homes. And now it's looking like the writers aren't going to be alone out there because they've got SAG-AFTRA, the uh, Actors Guild, that's joining them on the picket line, yep. and they're fighting against the same people here. So Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there it is. And, and, and this is probably the thing that's going to change the course of the path that the studios are going down, right? Because the actors are the ones that they care about. It's funny because it's showing the picture of the whole business, too. You know, with the writers, you get a glimpse at one area. Um, but now you're seeing just the total picture and the goal that they're trying to, you know, have here. Yeah. One of the things I heard they were looking to do was, I know we're getting off topic. This isn't our show today. They were looking at having background actors being able to be scanned by AI. They would pay them for one day, and they would then own their image in perpetuity forever. That's incredible. And you know what they're going to do. They're going to generate computer-generated you know, oh, yeah. content with your face. Absolutely. And for one day's for pay. For that one day's pay. Yeah. Not worth it. So it's obviously not worth it to be a background actor anymore. Yeah. Um, but the actors joining this is a good thing. And for years, people have criticized Hollywood, you know, the Hollywood elite. Um, and it seems like the actors are pretty dug in. Um, and they're talking about the writer's situation and they're, you know, hand in hand, step by step with the writers. And that can only be a good thing for us for labor, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you're a television fan, you know, you're you're watching the uh, the networks just released all of their fall schedules and it's pretty much all reality TV. Yeah. Right. The kind of TV that no writers or actors are required. I yeah. know that some of the big reality shows like Survivor and um, The Amazing Race, they've gone to 90 minute shows. So they're they're trying to fill those time slots. Right. Yeah. With stuff that doesn't require any actors or writers. You know who saw this coming? The writers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they they wrote, talked about this many months ago. Yeah, they did. Um, but listen, today's episode, we're going to concentrate on what's happening at Yellow Corporation. Um, this is not good, right? No. Nope. 100-year-old company. Yeah. And uh, they're teetering, it seems. Yeah. They're in bad shape. Um, it's uh, So a little bit about Yellow Corporation. Um Anybody who's been around who notices trucks on the road will know um, those trucks with the word yellow written across the trailer. It's a 100-year-old company, like you said, uh, headquartered in Kansas. They they tout themselves as the pioneer of what's called the less-than-truckload carrier. 
right? So there are a bunch of these types of trucking companies um, that call themselves less than truckload carriers. Um, Yellow owns a bunch of companies, right? So they have a bunch of subsidiary companies um, and, and logistic companies, including YRC Freight, Holland, Redway, New Pen, and um, HNRY Logistics. So it's a sizable company, right? They're one of the bigger logistic companies out there. This whole thing that we're going to talk about today started um, with this overhaul of their business that started last year. Um, they call it One Yellow. What do you know about this, Jason? So it seems this is their big corporate restructuring hope to, you know, finally get profitable again, get some investors back into the company and stabilize the bleeding that's been going on. Yeah, because uh, they, they've been teetering on bankruptcy for years. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they've had trouble for years. They've yeah. gone to the Teamsters for concessions for years. Oh, yeah. And uh, like you said, they're calling it One Yellow. They've got all these different companies under their portfolio. Yep. And what they're looking to do is kind of streamline the whole business and compete with mainly non-union, uh, non-union firms in the, in the yeah. industry that have dominated for a while. Yep. And what they're doing is they're trying to get employees to work basically for all these companies now. You've mm-hmm. got different seniority at different places. Uh, they were different companies, and now they want to just kind of group everybody together. They want to create what's called utility positions. Um, hmm. Basically, they want to have drivers that get off their truck and now work on a loading dock. And you could wow. end up working for a company other than the one that you worked for because it's now one yellow. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a fight that they're having with the Teamsters. Uh, apparently, they did this out west already. Um, there were variations, right. um, and those were negotiated. Okay. So they negotiated with the Teamsters. They got some things in place out west, um, but not on the level of what they're looking for here. Right. And they're trying to sugarcoat it, saying, you know, oh, well, we already do this out west. Right. They already do a very smaller scale. And I believe the business is a little bit dist- uh, different out that way. So they're trying to implement these changes, which is, like you said, massive consolidations of businesses. Um, changes to working conditions, changes to job descriptions, all this stuff. And the Teamsters are blocking it. The Teamsters are saying, look, we have a collective bargaining agreement with you. Um, we have a year left on this collective bargaining agreement, and we're not we're not interested in allowing these changes. Yeah, um, from what I heard, they wanted to open up talks over just minor parts of the contract that benefited them, but they, sure. they didn't want to have any other conversation. Sure. And they actually sued the Teamsters. Um, yeah, they did. There's a lawsuit, $137 million. Yep. And they're saying that the Teamsters are, uh, I forget the wording they used, but holding up something that shouldn't be held up. They feel right. they have the right to just institute this, Yep. which makes me wonder, why haven't you? Why are you going through a lawsuit if you've got the right? You know? Yeah, why aren't you just doing it? Yeah. yeah makes- just implement the changes if you think you can. Uh, so the company's reeling right now. When this one yellow thing was announced, their stock price was up at about $7.60 a share. Today, as we're, we're recording this, I just checked it. It's at $1.03 a share. So um, it has dipped under a dollar in recent weeks. So... They're really struggling. Um, they're in trouble. Uh, and, you know, they want to say that it's because of this restructuring and because the Teamsters are blocking this restructuring. Um, so they blame their failure on the union. Um, and at the same time, they're looking for the union to bail them out, right? Sean O'Brien made it pretty clear that um, it's not the union's responsibility to give concessions so that the company can survive. Um, 
I saw that Yellow Corporation published an open letter to union leadership that, that called for the Teamsters to allow the members to vote on this stuff, right? So, you know, they're going to Sean O'Brien. They're putting a letter in the newspaper and saying, hey, Sean O'Brien, you should let your members vote on whether or not to allow us to do this consolidation, right? So he's they're trying to pit members against union leadership, right? Yep. Because they know there's going to be some workers out there who don't understand the ins and outs of it and who are going to say, yeah, Mr. O'Brien, why don't you let us vote? Yeah. We want to we keep our jobs. They focus know. on 22,000 Teamsters. You know, they do have non-union people that work for them, too. Um, but really what they offered here was to pull forward contractual wage increases. I think it was 40 cents an hour and one cent per mile. Uh, those were slated to go into effect October 1st. Yep. And they said they were going to implement another pay hike, which would be 60 cents per hour, 1.5 cents per mile, um, looking to get a deal done. But there was a big catch. The carrier didn't have the ability to fund the latter uh, or the increases, yep. and they said that they would need lender approval to do so. <laughs> um, so they're looking to refinance about $1.5 billion in debt at a future date, and basically it's just the promise of, you know, hey, if we can refinance in the future, we'd be willing to do this. So Sean O'Brien, I actually got a quote from him. He said, Yellow's vague promise of, a small, f- of small future increases that may or may not happen is insulting. Yeah, uh, that was actually from Murphy from the IBT. Okay, Yellow wants to establish a one-way street that allows it to get everything it wants up front and early. The company wants our members to wait and see what happens down the road, even if it means that workers are once again left holding the bag. And Sean O'Brien went on to say, "Sometimes a bad job isn't worth it anymore." Yeah, and you know that's the big controversy, and we'll talk about that, right? But um, you know, Yellow was saying essentially that this is a union company versus non-union companies, right? They're talking a lot about how they need to compete with their non-union competitors, right? So they're citing the fact that they're a unionized company and the cost of union labor as an overwhelming factor that contributes to you know what they're going through right now, which is their, I think, their eminent failure. Um, but they're ignoring their own failure to manage company resources. And, right. and that comes from experts in the industry, right? People who are looking at their business saying, yeah, okay, union labor is more expensive, but yellow is failing to properly manage their business. And a lot of folks point to ABF. So everybody knows who ABF is, right? They're a big company. They are the, I think, either larger or the next largest company in this same category, right? They are also one of those, um, you know, uh, what do they call less than truckload carriers, right? So they're exactly the same. They're a unionized, less than truckload carrier. Um, and they saw profits last year that were 56% higher than yellow. So they're doing something right under the same exact conditions, Yeah. right? Um, so you can't just point to the cost of, of union labor because it's not the issue. ABF is doing fine. Yeah, and in the national master freight agreements that you know govern all these contracts, they have the ability to use what's called purchased transportation. And there's caps in the collective bargaining agreements on the percentage of total miles that can be purchased. So it's basically like outsourcing the work. Yep. Um, Currently, there are around, you know, different levels for each of the different companies. Um, some of them were at 8%. That was for Holland, 20% at Redway, 29% at YRC Freight. This agreement, I believe, was looking to push everybody up to 29%. Wow. So, I mean, that's a concession in itself. Yeah, absolutely. 
So um, recently, this really heated up uh, in early July, and we're recording this about a week before the end of July. So early this month, uh, yellow CEO, guy by the name of Darren Hawkins, he, he sent two letters to the Teamsters Union. And these letters were an attempt to essentially make a backdoor deal in order to rescue the company. It's an unprecedented move. He made informal offers to the union of like around $2 an hour raises for workers in exchange for an agreement that the union would sign on to a new five-year contract essentially immediately. And they're a year out from the expiration of their current agreement. And Sean O'Brien made a good point. They can't pay their bills today. Right. So how are you going to honor? Right. They can't pay their bills. There's no negotiations going on. And this guy's sending letters to the head of the Teamsters Union trying to negotiate wages and a new agreement right outside of the process. Um, so it's really um, it's probably illegal, um, certainly unethical. Um, and a year out from the expiration of the current contract. So two days after this, and this is the indication that this was a desperate move, right? A desperate move to begin to try to save the company. Two days after this promise of money. Yeah, two days (laughs) after this promise of an increase to wages for the workers that work so hard for them. um, YRC Freight and Holland, both, again, subsidiary companies of, of Yellow, um, they both failed to make required payments to the Central States Health and Welfare Fund and the Central States Pension Fund. These are two funds that the members of those companies are in, right? So this is their health care money and their retirement money. These two companies failed to pay required payments to those funds of $50 million. And if you don't pay, then what ends up happening is the pension and the welfare funds have to suspend benefits to those members. Right. Um, And that's how it works in those industries. Yep. So as a result, like you said, these workers, if those payments aren't made by the end of July, they're not going to have health care and their pensions are going to be underfunded. Yeah. Um, So here we go. Right. The company says, hey, you know, we really care about our workers. We want to offer them two dollars an hour raises. And at the same time, with the other hand, they're screwing them out of health care benefits and pension benefits. What was striking to me in the articles I read was the company's attitude towards these pension payments um, was that there's precedent for deferring payments in, in times of need. Yep. Uh, the central states pension fund is you know, well funded. Uh, they can absorb the hit for a little while. And yep. they basically made it sound like they're entitled to have this break of payment. Exactly. And listen, they're not wrong in saying that it's a common thing. It's right? not unprecedented. Right. It's not unprecedented. But, but it's something that has to be negotiated. And, and, oh, and that ha- is what gets me. Right. So they so they, they made the request of the pension fund, right? They said to the pension fund and the health fund, listen, we want to defer payments. We'll pay interest on it, but we want to defer payments for two months. And I'm sure that the reason that the health fund and the pension fund said no is that they're not confident this company's going to survive and pay them that money that they owe them. That was my worry. Yeah. I mean, how do you say, okay, no worries? Because then if you end up in a bankruptcy, you're right. trying to fight over scraps and yep. you're what never pecking gonna, order are you going to be Yeah, in? you're never going to get those payments in arrears, right? right? So this is the, the concern of the pension fund and the health fund and probably the reason that they said no, not just to stick it to yellow. Yellow. No, no. 
So there's a lot of people out there who are asking the question, why would Sean O'Brien choose to let the company fail rather than bargain with them, right? Because Sean O'Brien is saying, like you said, you know, at some point, the crappy job is not worth it. There's got to be a bottom. Right. There has to be a bottom. And I think that that's the answer, right? If the union continues to accept concessions so that unionized companies can compete with their non-unionized competition, at some point, the union job is no better than the non-union job. Right. Right. And you've got to look at these are major, major employers that are yep. setting the tone for an entire industry. Yeah. No question. So look, if they can't manage their business, take what you need from somewhere else, not the workers, right? Take from the profits, take from the the shareholders, let everybody share in the burden of the failure of this company because the workers have already done it, right? So this non-payment, this $50 million non-payment, it triggers a clause in the agreement. The, the clause reads like this. It says, in the event an employer is delinquent in its health and welfare or pension payments in the manner required by the applicable supplemental agreement, the local union shall have the right to take whatever action it deems necessary until such delinquent payments are made. That's the, a contract signed by the employer. Absolutely. So the union says, we can strike and we're going to go on strike. Yeah. Right. And, so, and it's something that the company knows what the consequences are. Yep. Or what they can be. So the company now is saying that the union is in violation of the collective bargaining agreement because they're not allowed to go on strike. But this clause says the union can do whatever it deems necessary. So that, in the union's opinion, says including a strike. So the Teamsters notified Yellow that there's the potential for a strike. I think they set the date at July 26th, something like that. So as you're listening to this, that date has passed, right? Um, But, you know, Sean, like he usually does, he's got a lot to say about this. And I want to read a quote. It's a pretty lengthy quote, but I think it's worth listening to. Sean O'Brien said, Darren Hawkins and the management team at Yellow cannot hold the Teamsters hostage as they dream up disingenuous offers to save themselves from their own incompetence. It is not left to rank and file Teamsters to drag Yellow's sinking ship to shore. We are not going to agree to informal offers for new wages in the hopes of getting a fair contract next year when YRC Freight and Holland can't even figure out how to pay their bills right now. Um, so O'Brien, you know, he responded to those two letters, right. That were sent by the CEO. Um, he responded on the day they were received. So he was pretty fired up. I think he essentially blasted the company for attempting to, you know, tether those wage increases to future commitments from the union in an unnegotiated new deal. Right. So, uh, you know, O'Brien reminded the CEO that YRC Freight and Holland's failure to pay their bills and keep with their obligation, you know, it would adversely affect working families that have already submitted to substantial givebacks. Yeah. And these companies were calling everybody heroes back, you know, in the start of the pandemic. And here we are. And when you look at what the Teamsters did for Yellow back in 2009 during the Great Recession, the Teamsters granted Yellow a 15 percent wage cut. 
and agreed to forego pension contributions for five years. Yeah. So 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 that five years didn't help you because today you can't pay your pension fund. That's right. And and this is exactly right. And and this is what you know. This is what the company is failing to be honest about. Yeah. Right? And those wage concessions were actually extended in the 2014 contract yes. as a way to keep Yellow in business. Yeah. So it was nine years worth of of stagnant wages for these drivers. Which Nine it, years. During a time of high inflation. Exactly. So, you know, and, and frozen pension payments, right? Mm-hmm. So they get no increase in their pension. They get no increase in their pay for nine years. And the company just wants to brush that aside and say, hey, Teamsters, you need to help bail us out again. Yep. Because it, your greed is what's bankrupting us. That's yeah. really what they're saying. That's exactly what they're saying. You know, so these are huge concessions. And, you know, going back to that question, why would Sean dig in now and allow this company to go out of business? It's because enough is enough, right? And this is what Sean's saying. Enough is enough. Um, I read this one article, and I, I, I really want to read this. And again, this is a lengthy quote, but man, this puts it perfectly. Um, I read one article, um, and in the article, uh, this guy by the name of Benjamin Dichter, he's a, he's an employment and labor lawyer. Um, here's the analogy he made, and I love this. He said, it's like if I told you that the only way yellow could stay in business is that they didn't have brake pads. We would say, no, obviously, we need trucks on the road that are operating safely. It's for our sake. It's for everybody else's sake. There are certain costs. If that's what the brake pads cost, then that's what the brake pads cost. And if you can't afford the brake pad, you know, get the hell out of the industry. The same thing is true about labor. We have to stop thinking about labor like it's something that there can be a compromise on. If you can't afford the labor at a cost that allows these human beings being behind the wheel of these trucks to live lives where they get to appreciate their families and their life outside of work and be human beings, then get the hell out of the trucking business. It's a good way of putting it. It's a really good way of putting it. You know, labor is not always negotiable. There's an end to it, right? Right. There's a line that we need to draw in the sand and say, this is the bottom right here. And we're there. Yeah, analysts are saying that this company's likely to fail, yeah. uh, regardless of what the union does. And you have to think about, from like an industry standpoint, you can either drop your standards to that of non-union companies and you know disintegrate the entire uh, industry. Yep. Or you can kind of hold your line here, try and uh, you know stand up for what's right, and assume that in a free market economy, these jobs or you know this uh, work is going to go to other places within the industry. Yeah. Hopefully into union positions, you know, union jobs. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. The- Without the waste of a CEO like Darren here. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sean has a nickname for him, and I can't remember what it was, but oh, I think it's, it's do, do Nothing Darren, I yeah. think he calls him. Um, listen, this company is $1.6 billion in debt. Don't worry, we'll refinance. Yeah, we're go- this is going to fix it. We just, just work for free. Yeah. If you could work for free for 10 years, we'd be in great shape. <laughs> I, I shouldn't make light of it, but it's no. like, you know. It's listen, it's a terrible situation because the likelihood is that thousands of truck drivers, Teamster jobs are going to be lost. It's very likely because this company is not going to survive this. And this is a company that got a massive loan during COVID too to stay afloat. Yes, they did. 
and that's part of their debt, right? So they're they're 1.6 billion in debt. Um, 1.2 billion of that was due this summer, right? So they have no way of paying that. This this is not a wealthy company right not now. Not the they, guy you want to take a future promise of a ex- wage raise exactly. increase from. So you know you wonder why the pension fund and the health fund say no to the you know diverting the payments. Of course they're going to say no. This company owes 1.2 billion dollars right now. Those payments are due right now, and they want to add another hundred million to that owed to the pension fund and the and the health fund and we're supposed to be confident that they're going to make those payments and from what i read the 700 million dollar loan from the federal government during covid that went to satisfying pension obligations and trying to do maintenance and uh, i guess some modernization of their trucks yeah fail so if you need to borrow 700 million to have a working truck and your whole job is trucking yep. that's kind of concerning yes yeah <laughs> You shouldn't need you, think? you shouldn't need a loan from the government to support your core business function. Yeah. So maybe the brake pad thing is real. Yeah, could I, I be. don't know. Um, so this company, according to what I read, had eighty nine million dollars. They declared eighty nine million dollars in earnings for the fourth quarter of twenty twenty two. So this is actually a hundred and eleven million dollars below the threshold that is required in their lending agreements with their debt creditors. Um, so company records show that they have about a hundred million dollars in cash. Yeah. They're not, you could tell why they don't want to spend 50 million to satisfy their pension. Right, they don't have it. They don't have it. So, um, you know, this is a company that's, that's in a lot of trouble. They owe way more money than they have. Um, they're operating. So most times you talk about business, you talk about your operating margin, in, yeah. in Yellow's case, they refer to it as an operating ratio because they're actually 101, sorry, 100.8% is their operating ratio. So in order to make a dollar, they have to spend more than a dollar. Wow. that's so, That can't be sustained. It's not. You, you can't. So um, it's been my experience over the years, you know, being involved with the Teamsters for a long time now. Um, the Teamsters are really good at understanding the finances and the health of the employers that they work for. Um, that's been certainly been the case here at Local 1150, right? We understand Sikorsky Aircraft's business. Um, we know what they can and can't afford because we do our homework. And I think that's I think that's across the board at the Teamsters Union. So you have to believe that Sean O'Brien knows that this company isn't surviving. And it has nothing to do with what the union does or doesn't do, right? The union's not going to save this company. So, um, you know, Sean isn't—he's not sticking it to his members. He's not purposely and vengefully letting this company fail. No, and I think that's a lot of rhetoric coming from the companies sure who are is. trying to poison it. At the same time that they're saying, "Let's get a vote from the members," you know, they're right. they're trying to skew people's uh, perception of this. Yeah, you just—I mean, you can't give a failing company everything they want so that they survive, right? It doesn't make sense they're just from the con- worker standpoint. They'll continue to fail. Yeah, they're going to continue to fail. And they have, right? So we've been, and I say we, the Teamsters with Yellow have been giving concessions for the last 14 years. Yep. 
And, you know, Sean says enough is enough, right? You keep telling us, you keep coming with your hand out saying, hey, we just need a little more and we can survive, right? But it, it doesn't happen. They're still, they're in worse shape now than they were in 2009, which every company was hurting in 2009. Yeah. And the Teamsters don't go out and, you know, organize industries and bring up their membership numbers with the intent of losing that down the road. Right. Obviously, this is a, a what was a good company that's really gone down a bad path. Yeah. It's a company that's not managing itself well. Um, and the workers can't, you know, if the workers make concessions, then for the rest of this company's life, the workers are going to make less. Right. And then the company's going to fail anyway. And it's so, just going to drive the industry down. Yeah, it is. Um, look, hopefully the good news is that ABF, you know, companies like ABF, unionized companies like ABF pick up some of the slack here. They pick up some of that business. And and these folks, if, if they are going to lose their jobs, they're going to move into other union jobs at a company like ABF. Yeah, who right? just got a new contract. Yeah, so that's the good news. Well, obviously, we're we're wishing all the Teamsters that work for these companies well. Nobody wants to be in this situation. No. You know. Yeah, it's a bad situation. I, you know, like always, we talk a lot on this show about supporting our fellow union brothers and sisters out there, whether, you know, whether they're fellow Teamsters or other unionists or, or workers, you know, in general. So, yeah, we're right there with these folks, you know, whatever they need from us, we're here to help. So, um yeah, well wishes to those folks. Um, hopefully this works out okay. Not a good situation, though. Yeah. So we'll keep you updated on that. Um, and like we said before, we're going to, in our next episode, we're definitely going to be talking about the UPS situation, whether they have a new contract or are out on strike. We're going to come to you as quickly as we can and talk about that situation, right? We'll talk about their new contract if they get it, because I think if they get a new contract, what they've already agreed upon is pretty groundbreaking stuff, right? Uh, So hopefully they're going to get some economics in line and we're going to be able to talk in our next episode about, about a great new contract for UPS workers. And if we don't get it, shut it down. Shut it down. (laughs) So that's about it. Um, Upcoming events, right? We're still suspended uh, the membership meetings until September. Troy has a new contract. We will talk about that in our next episode as well. Uh, The annual scholarship fund golf tournament is on September 9th at Oxford Greens. Anything else? That should do it. That's about it. All right. Well, as always, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for following the 10 to 12 podcast. If you're not following the 10 to 12 podcast, shame on you. Go to Podbean right now and follow us. Remember to let us know what you think about the show. Let us know if if you love it. Let us know if you hate it. But let us know something. Shoot us an email at comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. Until next time, I'm Stephen French. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. We'll see you again. Thank you.